Hi, I'm Misha Chakrabarty. Welcome to Dream Awakening. This podcast is also available in Spanish as Despertando Sueños con Misha Chakrabarty. Today, we're here with Laura Paragano. Laura dreams of finding authentic connection through music. She has felt moments of true peace and unity in nature that awakened her spirituality and changed the way she makes music. Now her creative process comes from a deeper place of flow, and Laura brings a sense of openness and presence to her collaborations. She feels most fulfilled when she performs live and people truly connect with her music. Laura is a writer, musician, board writer, and human being. Her newest single, a dark and bluesy cover of CCR's Bad Moon Rising, was released on October 9th. To listen to Laura's music or follow her journey, check out the links in the episode description or wait for the outro. She's open to any projects, music, business, or otherwise. Without further ado, let's chat with Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome. How, how are you feeling today? Doing pretty good. Got a cup of coffee in me, so I um, am more conscious than I was an hour ago, which is a wonderful feeling. <laughs> It is a wonderful feeling. I do love I do love me some coffee. I love mm-hmm. the taste, the smell, the sensation. Wonderful way to start the day. I'm happy to hear that. Um, well, Laura, I'm really happy to have you here today. I think it's been five years since we've last talked. I can't believe it. Time, time flies. Um, I'm sure a lot has changed in our lives between then. I feel like the last time I saw you was college, and uh, that was, you know, a long time ago yeah. now. That was a long time ago, longer than either of us would like to admit. But no, I also we also saw each other in San Francisco. Oh yeah. Oh shit, yeah. That's right. Yeah. What a yeah, time. but no, it's it's been a while. It's been a while. So I don't know. I, I mentioned this to you. I'm really happy that uh, this podcast has been a nice excuse to reconnect. So I'm I'm really excited to hear more. This was all just an elaborate ruse to just get you to tell me about your life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't uh, have to be a ruse. I'm an open book, but I look forward to talking with you about it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I'm just going to dive right in. Um, Laura, it's been a while, um, but <laughs> tell me tell me all about your dreams. What are your dreams now? Ooh, uh, that's interesting because you sent that question to me over email to think about, and the way you phrased it is, what is your dream? Singular, um, which as a writer person, I took very literally, um, I think... It can Asking, be dream, singular, multiple, what, whatever you yeah, feel. Sweet. Um, I s- started thinking about um, the prompt in terms of a singular dream and trying to understand the driving force behind a lot of my decision-making in life. I think mm-hmm. um, dreams is easy to turn into, like, what are my goals? And I think singular dream mm-hmm. made me think a lot about, like, why why all of these disparate things that I want to achieve fit together um, and what are they all kind of serving. So I wrote Mm -hmm. a really uh, silly sounding dream that then I (laughs) expanded out into, um, which is to say, reveal the fabric that connects us all. Um, A less less hand-wavy version of that was make and experience moments of deep connection with the world things and people in it as well as myself 
So that's, that's a lot to, we can, we can talk about that for a good hour, I think. Yes, definitely. Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, I love what you said about kind of connecting the disparate moments. Um, because I think, I don't know if you had this experience over, uh, over the years, Mm -hmm. but when you think about like when someone asks you as a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then you think about yourself now, and then you think about all the different, you know, paths that you've been on, all the different journeys and experiences Mm -hmm. you've had since then. Sometimes we feel like, oh, there's nothing in common. I was just like meandering around doing just whatever. But then you look back on it and you see how it's been connected. So um, I love that you brought that up. Can you share a little bit more about kind of, um, I don't know that, well, kind of like where you are now and what you mm. feel like truly passionate and excited about and kind of the, all the little dots that you now see have been connected. Totally. It's really interesting because I feel like it's much easier for people to um, reverse engineer that personal mythology when they have had mm. a moment of great success in their life. So like an actor can look back and say, I got to this point because I took that opportunity and I decided to go that route. And now look at me, I'm in this big blockbuster. And there's like something in their present that anchors their identity in a way that then you can tell that narrative Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense, which, you know, maybe it does leave out um, a lot of nuances of what makes somebody a full human. Like I'm sure even mm-hmm. that actor has family and things right. that like aren't included in that story, but it, it fits their view of themselves and what they want to highlight. Um, so I guess anybody's dream or anybody's narrative is just their way of trying to make sense of their past in a way that serves them as to what they care about now. Right. And the story mm-hmm. will keep on changing. Um, I think the way that I landed on this and um, uh, how that kind of all fits into where I am now um, is a lot about personal expression uh, Mm -hmm. and like my journey to spirituality um, in a way that I didn't expect even over the last year, as well as um, a way to try and... you know, I don't feel like I have a big singular success moment uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right now that then I can reverse justify and turn into this is how I got to to where I am. So I, I felt like this dream, the way I wrote it up, allowed for an alternative way to contextualize um, my experiences. Um, or perhaps this this concept of success is just uh, a farce to begin with, right? Like Mm -hmm. I very much enjoy making music, um, both in terms of using it almost as like a a therapy tool to understand myself um, and what I'm going through, as well as a way to connect with people using a different language, like the uh, amount of friends that I've made and people I've collaborated with um, for musical purposes has really been a a meaningful thing uh in my Mm -hmm. life Uh, and so music both serves this idea of like making these moments with people as well as being able to share in in something deeper um that can bring the two of us 
together. I don't That's know if that beautiful. answers your question. No, that that <laughs> did. And you said you said so many um, beautiful and meaningful things, and I want to get into all of them. Um, uh, you're yeah. talking about like the unexpected, your journey in spirituality, um, not necessarily having like the concept of what success is. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's so many different things that I would like to talk about. Um, one of the things that I think, um, yeah, I think maybe maybe to start out, you. I completely agree with you about the idea of success. I think, first of all, it's it's completely arbitrary. I think, mm -hmm. um, first of all, like you can have the same reality, but one person views it as an ex as a success, another person views it as a failure. It's yeah. really it's really a matter of like what your expectations are. But I want to talk more about you. You talked about your experience of music and how music makes you feel connected to people. It makes you feel like um, you're connecting with something very profound. And I want to talk about kind of your experience because a lot of the times we think of, we have this idea of success and we have this idea of mm -hmm. a certain destination. But I think in my experience, the process itself is really what matters um, and the feeling that you have while you do something meaningful mm -hmm. is really important. So can you talk a little bit more about kind of your experience of the process of making music, of connecting with people, of connecting with yourself and, and what that's like for you. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong, like uh, it would be a wonderful goal to uh, have millions of listens on uh, <laughs> Spotify on my playlist or like be able to fill up the Fillmore in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I've been finding that the m most meaningful parts of music to me is when uh, I get to either share a song that I made that m most of my music is like pretty confessional right now um, and it feels, it felt vulnerable at first to mm -hmm. play in front of a live audience of like, is anybody listening? Does anybody care about these feelings that I felt that I'm sharing out? Um, you know, you see one person in the audience who's who really kind of understands where you were coming from when you wrote that or the feeling you were trying to convey. Um, and I've had, you know, a few people come up to me after shows and be like, I really loved that or, you know, that connected with me or like that brought me back to the 1950s. Um, and and those feelings are really the ones that I live for um, in terms mm -hmm. of performing music like those are the best shows because I know that I reached someone else on a level that I wouldn't have been able to if I hadn't have put myself in this position to be vulnerable potentially you know be playing to an empty room or um mm -hmm. massively mess up a part on stage or forget something like I think those um failures if you even I don't even think they're necessarily failures it's just a learning mm -hmm. process um are so yeah. overcomable when you have those moments of um being able to really share something from your heart and and touch somebody else's uh and that's kind of how my approach to the creative process has been in the sense that I at least not for my first album uh, I only have one out right now um it started because of a bad breakup and a lot of my songs were about processing this uh, change in understanding myself uh, and myself within the world and how I relate to 
other people in a romantic way. Um, and so I had generally the music. I definitely had the lyrics. Um, those flew out of me in a way that it, I can't even describe. And if you're a creative person and if you've, you've had a moment where it's just like, a dance will come out of you um, mm -hmm. and you don't know where it's from. You know that it's it's something like really deeper. Um, mm -hmm. But then I would bring that to the group of friends um, that had formed a band and uh, really let them hear the song, listen to it, connect in their own way and then find um, sounds that were genuine to them to mm -hmm. add to the track um so i didn't write any of the bass parts i didn't write the guitar solos yeah i helped a little bit in terms of like creative direction as to what i was thinking for how the song should feel or um where the builds should be but really i think part of what i love about how I work creatively um, mm -hmm. is that there's not for me, I don't feel like there's this ego around the mm. art that I do that then I bring to my friends. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. if you think this is um, this should go one way, I'm totally open to hearing it. Um, if it should go a different direction, if you know, I, I've had my friend Jerry say like, I don't think I should play on this track at all. And it's like, Oh wow. I've never even, thought about that just because I mm. you know wanted him to add something and be a part of it and it's it's interesting to see the ways in which um the people that you collaborate with bring part of themselves or interpret or like use use this um thing to then make their own meaning and add their own meaning onto it and becomes so much more than just like a song that I wrote mm -hmm. um, and ultimately I can look back on that album and be like, yeah, I wrote the songs, but that's not what I hear when I'm listening back to mm -hmm. it. I, I hear the experience that we had in the studio, the um, multiple, <laughs> multiple hours <laughs> of band practice where we hashed out how this particular part should go. And, and, and that's what I love most about making and, and playing. Well, I love that. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's really nice to hear about kind of your own kind of individual creative process and then mm -hmm. also what it's like when you collaborate with people and kind of how, you know, they always say like synergy is like one plus one equals three, <laughs> how the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And, yeah. and you talked a lot about you know, with this creative process, but also with other things and your experience with spirituality about the unexpected. Um, so I kind of, I, hmm. I want to, there's so many things, Laura, it's, it's hard to choose what I want to talk about. But I really, I, I really love what you were saying about kind of after the breakout, the breakup, um, the, this creativity kind of just flowed out of you. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was growing up, just seeing all, all these TV shows, these movies, just articles, always saying, you know, you need to like, I don't know if you've seen The Shining, but the idea is if, if you want to be like a writer or a creative person anyway, the solution is to like lock yourself in a cabin in the middle of nowhere and write. Oh, but God. at least in my, in my experience, like you can't like force creativity out of you. It kind of like 
flows out of you in certain moments and you kind of have to just like okay the creativity is flowing like let me do let me go and like seize the moment um <laughs> can you talk a little bit about yeah. kind of like when you the moments you feel creative and kind of the process of of creation itself because you have an yeah. album um i earlier today i listened to to some of this to to jane and i i love jane so can you can you talk about like what it's like when you create on your own and then later i'd love to hear about like the collaboration aspect yeah uh thanks for the compliment on that track that was of course a super big collaboration between me and my friend Jerry. He actually had the music and I put the lyrics over the top and then we, um, it's, a, it's a true blend of me and someone else more than I think I've ever um, done before uh, with this particular mm -hmm. medium. So it was super cool to see that come to fruition. Uh, in terms of creating by myself um, and harnessing creativity, I. I think there is there are moments when you have inspiration and then there are moments when you are building the creative muscles um, mm. and the magic really comes when you happen to have the two together. I mean, I used to do this ridiculous thing in San Francisco where people just leave the craziest shit out on the street. Um, mm -hmm. And I saw... I don't know. It was a lamp and the like base of the lamp was a gun. Mm -hmm. And I just took a picture of it and on Instagram started riffing puns. Um, mm. And then that became like a running series of just street puns is what uh, I called them. Um, and, you know, I well, some people don't consider puns creative. I very much do. I love me a good pun, Laura. They really, <laughs> when they land, mm, beautiful yeah. stuff but I think that's uh you know you don't we don't even have to be talking about writing a novel or writing a book it can be something mm -hmm. as simple as making a joke um where I think I got better at doing these kinds of puns because in some ways just walking around the city um had a built-in prompt and so I would mm -hmm. consistently be looking for that inspiration and then being able to practice my responses or have literally a writing prompt to work with. Um, so, you know, that gets harder when you start trying to write about deeper topics, whether that's mm. a breakup or existential dread or yeah. um, the state of the world politically, I think all of these things are, are very, very big topics where part of the process is processing that thing um, mm -hmm. and getting, t to me, like getting past the parts that are so emotional that you can start um, putting words to the feelings in a way that, you know, you don't really have to worry about when there's an old microwave out on the street um it's mm -hmm. it's far less personal it's it it is far less emotionally triggering um and so it just for for the deeper things i think it 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 takes time for me and some of that is um going to therapy or talking about these things with friends it's it's sitting and it's um just kind of considering how i fit in the picture what i want to 
do about a particular situation um, and have like I, I'm, I usually want to get to a place where I have a perspective or even I, an idea if that's a mm-hmm. metaphor um, for Jane in particular. It was about this idea of like dying before you really got to live. Um, mm-hmm. And that was pretty much all I had when I took it to Jerry and um, he would just be playing the music on repeat and I would try uh, a lyric and that wouldn't work or you know he would say that the line could be stronger and I would agree or um you know you you just work your way through the lines both melodically and lyrically until you land on something that feels true and right um which is obviously a creative decision someone might disagree with um where that quote unquote like finished correct um, mm-hmm. expression of the idea is. And I think that's the beauty of it is someone else can have a totally different interpretation of dying before living. Um, and that's what makes a creative voice is your unique way of expressing this concept, which for me can only really be found through having a moment to, to sit with that feeling and, having the space then to be able to flex that creative muscle and, and figure out h- how I want to share that with others. Definitely. No, I really, um, I, I definitely have the same experience and I, I think that it is so important to, you know, when, when you have the very visceral experience of a certain emotion, of a certain feeling, of a certain idea, like then, you know, is, is a good time to just get it all down. But then mm-hmm. like, as, you're right, when you have enough distance and you have a certain perspective, then you can truly understand it. Because, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't really, you're not even thinking about it. Like there's no thought. It's just like mm-hmm. expressing itself. And then you have a little bit of space and then you can kind of craft it in into a way that maybe other people can interact with it or understand it um, differently. And I completely agree with what you're saying about, you know, it's important to have time to reflect, to mm-hmm. meditate, to go to therapy, to to pause. Um, and that's something that really actually struck me about kind of Jane. And I, wa- I wanted to ask you about this song in particular because mm. of what you said, the idea of, you know, dying before you live. There's a lot about at least my... Um, I'm sure you get this. Everyone reacts to the song differently. But for me, I thought that song was like very apropos of what I wanted to talk to you about today with like this about awakening dreams. Like there's a big sense of purpose in the song and like looking for meaning. Um, And the song, I think, came out in in April of this year, which I don't remember. I'm I'm in Argentina now, so I don't Uh remember when the quarantine started in the U.S. and, and when like people were sheltering in place. Um, I'm sure you wrote the song, obviously you wrote the song like before April 2020. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't know. Did you have kind of a sense because, you know, now a lot of the time, mm-hmm. so many people are quarantined. So many people are forced to press pause and and to stop and reflect in a new way. So I feel like this that song like really resonates with people now and perhaps mm-hmm. in a new way that it might not have before. Did you have like... I don't know. Was your intuition like giving you a sense of foreboding of this before <laughs> before it even happened? Where what what in, um, what was the experience like, or where did that come from? Yeah, um, 
I think that we maybe recorded it in January or February, um, but we didn't really finish putting it together. And by we, I mean Jerry, who was the big production mixer uh, guy on this track, um, Mm -hmm. didn't really put that together until quarantine started happening. But this was uh, very much a feeling that I had started having over the end of 2019 into 2020, obviously, because I had to write the lyrics before quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about it um, as being, I guess I haven't necessarily looked back and, and thought, oh, wow, this reflects what's going on with the world right now. Um, but it does kind of make sense. I was, uh, you know, at the time in a relationship with somebody who had just moved back to their home country of Australia. Um, mm. I uh, was, am, uh, working in tech and that was the only, that's the only industry I've been in. So, mm. um, I, I also had just been in San Francisco for the entirety of my adult life after I graduated college. So I was hitting this point in my life, um, where it just felt like things were starting to stagnate, um, and I was almost running more on inertia at this point of like, mm. why, why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this because I genuinely have these motivations to be doing this kind of work or to be in this place? Or is it just because here's where I ended up and the I don't know, activation energy required um, mm-hmm. just feels too great to to push me out into the next thing. Um, and I think, I mean, clearly the lyrics reflected that, or that's Mm -hmm. what you got out of it as well. The song doesn't really have an answer to, uh, Mm -hmm. to how to get out of that slump. I I think it's a little bit pessimistic and in the sense that the song starts out with, you know, I heard that Jane had died wasting time waiting for her life to start. So it doesn't really give her, um as much resolution the the end outro um speaks about her dreams and what she had wished that she had done with her time um and so I think it's pretty reflective of where I was slash am at in terms of like knowing that something needs to change and having these vague ideas for what that could be and not really knowing how to get there and being afraid of not getting there in time to really mm-hmm. enjoy it. But you're right. The, the quarantine, I think for a lot of people has really amped up this idea of like, we, we only have one life. We had it yeah. so good in many respects before all this. And, and now there's so many barriers in place to connecting with people to, um, chasing after certain dreams, um, where it's like, I don't, you know, a lot of people don't want to wait anymore to to start their lives. And I think I'm very much in that camp of like, okay, any step towards anything different um, is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I, I definitely, that comes through in this song very strongly for me. And I think part of it is 
you know, music reaches people kind of at the level or really anything reaches people mm -hmm. kind of at the level that they're at. And I had kind of a similar feeling as, as you're experiencing um, very strongly. Um, so I think that's why it really resonated with me. And um, I wanted to, to talk about this idea of inertia because I think that um, unless you grow up, you know, like very connected with yourself and what's around you and with a very strong sense of purpose and you're like continually mm. questioning that, um, I think it's very easy to fall into the sense of inertia, especially if you live in a society like like the U.S. where, where we mm -hmm. grew up, where you it's so work focused and people spend so much time working that and and doing activities that it doesn't really create the space to reflect and to consider what you really want and to think about what mm. gives you meaning and i feel that at least this is my experience that you really need to carve that out for yourself and um because of that i feel like this inertia is it's very easy to have this sense of inertia like you're you did what you're supposed to do. You got a job. Yeah. You're in this cool city. You're doing all the things that like make your life look great on Instagram. So then it's like, <laughs> what? What's wrong? Where is this feeling coming from? Um, yeah. So I definitely felt that that sense of inertia as well. Um, do you remember a specific? Um, do you? Is the inertia something that you you started to feel? kind of last year or did you ever feel like maybe earlier on like the sense of hmm is this really what I want or because for a lot of people it takes something like really big like the quarantine or I don't yeah. know a death a breakup like something really big and concrete to rock their world but you kind of had a sense well it sounds like there was this breakup but um, you kind of had a sense before, like the quarantine came and disrupted the entire world. There was something that you were maybe picking up on before. Um, so can you talk about kind of your, um, the process of kind of realizing that, that this feeling was there? Yeah. Um, and I take maybe one step back first and um, add some additional context of like, I don't think either in my family or in American society, um, we're used to change. Like I grew mm. up in the same household, um, the same house. Like my parents still live in the house that I grew up in, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just, um, mm. for me, I didn't really learn how to recognize when something needed to be changed and, mm. uh, confronting change, uh, has always been a scary thing for me. I think that's just human mm -hmm. nature uh, as well. Um, yeah. And so oftentimes, uh, at least in American society, I feel like we don't get to that point of knowing that things need to change until things are really bad or you're feeling right. something <laughs> so, so strongly. It's like, oh, shit, whoops. Uh, Should have done this two years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, which I had had that before where it took me way too long to realize that I needed to get out of a relationship that wasn't serving me. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, w when you look back on moments like that, I think there's a, depending on how you were raised in your psychology, at least for me, it was like, Oh shit, I don't want to waste a year and a half of my life again in a situation where, um, I'm not moving forward. I mean, there's definitely more compassionate ways to reframe that. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the, the year and a half longer that I stayed definitely taught me some hard things, but, um, I think we're all looking to acknowledge when it's time to move on faster and get to the thing that we need, um, to change quicker, um, so that we can be in a better position for ourselves, um, with more time on the good side of things. Um, Mm. so this time around, I, I don't know, how did I get there? I feel like it was more from an impetus, uh, from my partner at the time who had moved back, um, that really forced me to reckon with this question of like, do like, if I want to be with him, should I, I I would have to move. Like I'm not going to do a long Mm -hmm. distance thing forever. Um, Mm -hmm. and in what ways does that move serve me and what opportunities does it open up? Um, and I loved him and I love him and I, um, really enjoyed Australia the the time that we went together. Uh, and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, Oh, if we move the, uh, cost of living is cheaper. He would have a place. So, uh, I wouldn't even necessarily have to pay the exorbitant amount of money that I did in Mm. rent in San Francisco. Um, and all of these years of saving up, uh, this, good amount of money from um, the nice job that I was privileged enough to get out of college uh, could really afford me some time to spend on this these creative endeavors that I, I really loved. You know, I still don't know if music is the thing that I would want to do for money or um, mm-hmm. I love it and I love that it connects me to people, but I think that inherently changes having to do it for money must change the relationship mm. to that thing. Um, but t- to even think about, you know, moving to a different country and having time to be more outside and having time for these endeavors um, really excited me. And so when it it started to turn or when it, it looked like, you know, this opportunity wasn't going to work out for me and, and this was a little bit after Jane came out, but perhaps it was just like, uh, intuition of, of me recognizing that regardless of what happened in the relationship, I, I'm at this place in my life where I do want to do more of that stuff. I do want to open myself up to new experiences and new ways of connecting with people in a way that my current, uh, state of life wasn't providing me um, mm-hmm. really made me question, um, you know, if, if that relationship didn't work out, what was I going to do instead? Or how was I going to make sure that I held myself to these, these feelings mm-hmm. and do yeah. something about them? Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely what you said about kind of your family and, um, the U S not necessarily being used to change. I think that's, I don't, necessarily think that that's just in the u.s i think Mm. um i mean maybe 
I think there's certain, for example, I live in Argentina, um, mm. so it is a little different because there's one of the highest levels of inflation in the world. So um, things are very chaotic financially. And yes, people. Okay, now that you say that, yes, like people have mm -hmm. to kind of just adapt to things. It's kind of built into the way they exist. So yeah. I think people in maybe countries where in an external way, um, things are more chaotic. They have like this internal adaptability because they know that like change is coming whether they want it or not. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the U.S., if, if you have financial stability, you can control things a little bit more, um, then maybe you're not necessarily as used to change. So I definitely grew up change averse as well. I, <laughs> I understand that. Um, yeah. But I, I think that what, what you said um, about having this relationship come into your life and then realizing that there was another possibility. I think, yeah. you know, there are certain types of life events that open you up to seeing things in a new way and that are transformational, like when you are in a relationship, when you travel, if you live abroad, when you kind of probably your experience with music has, you know, opened you, connected you to, to things in a different way. It's given you a different experience of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Um, a lot of the times, yeah, we don't, we think that, you know, what we've, what we've grown up with is kind of just, that's it. That is existence. <laughs> that's all that, that life is. And then, um, it sounds like through the relationship that you had with, um, someone who's from outside the U S kind of showed mm -hmm. you, Oh, I've been living my life this way because that's what I thought there was, but there's also this other way of doing things. And then you started to think like, well, why not? Like, why, why not do that? So Absolutely. I think. Yeah, I mean, but I think a lot of that is only because you allowed yourself to do that. Because like these situations mm -hmm. can, can come into your life, but if you don't like actually create the space for it, um, it won't happen. So I wanted to say that I think it's beautiful you allowed that to happen. Sorry, oh, what were you, you saying? Oh, I was gonna say um, that he ended up moving to a small um, coastal town in Australia, and there were people there who just like work at the local pub and then go surfing all day, every day. And it's like, oh, that's a totally legitimate way of living yeah. your life. Why, why was that something that I didn't see or didn't think that I could pursue or um, maybe in prior years would have judged that kind of a lifestyle mm -hmm. just based mm -hmm. on the the culture that America breeds of valuing, I don't know, this certain level of achievement where it's like, mm -hmm. um, you know, that person clearly wasn't optimizing for making the most money per year, but right. um, they loved being out in the ocean. And like, there's nothing wrong with structuring your life in a way that allows you that space to maximize the things that you really care about. And I think that's exactly what, you know, you're talking about on this podcast, right? Is, is there's mm -hmm. no wrong way. If you want to live that dream of being by the ocean every day and, um, not spending eight hours sitting in front of a computer monitor, like you can, you can do that. You, there's trade-offs mm -hmm. involved. Um, but as long as you yourself are comfortable with how, you're trading off your time for the things that you need to survive to keep doing what you want to do. Why, why not? Exactly. I think, um, 
And yeah, that's why I always ask people, you know, what their dreams are, because everyone, everyone wants something different. And I think I had a similar experience growing up in the U.S. where mm -hmm. I kind of didn't realize that, you know, you know, being work, being on a beach all day and, you know, working at a bar there was a dream that someone could have. <laughs> but, you know, the more and more I've lived, um, as was your experience, I realized, oh, that that's yeah. a beautiful thing. And um, really, I think the world will just be a better place if people do what they feel like truly moved to do instead of trying to fit them in to this box where they're actually where they're actually not happy um so i absolutely um i'm so happy that that you've had that that experience because i think that um i actually remember growing up i i don't know if you've seen like um the the sh the movie um or the play rent um did yes. did you ever see that oh. when you're growing up mm -hmm. i don't know if you had the same experience but when i was growing up i saw that i was like who are these people who have this like complete it felt like a parallel universe to me mm -hmm. when i like watched that movie like they're i don't know they like what are they doing for health insurance and like they're <laughs> like like working all day working all night sleeping all day and like they're so spontaneous they're so free and i was like where is this freedom coming from and um i just remember at the time <laughs> thinking that that just didn't exist in a certain way even though i was seeing it right in front of me and i think a lot mm -hmm. of the times like there are all these things happening right in front of us, but somehow we're like blind to them because of like what, you know, our, our kind of smaller version of reality has been. So I think it's, I think it's beautiful that through your relationships and through music, you've, you've started to see a different version of reality. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. it's, it's a multicolored world out there. Just want to yeah. take in all of the different, uh, colors of the spectrum yeah well speaking of like a different level of reality and things that might have not been expected you yeah. talked about how um something that you didn't necessarily expect these past few years was your journey with spirituality and um i i actually had a similar experience these past few years and i know that if you come from kind of the type of background that it sounds like we both came from um, <laughs> you might have worked corporate jobs and then all of a sudden you have like a spiritual path people might look at you like you're crazy so can you talk a little bit about i'm sure that i'm sure for example if you tell people oh like i do music like you get one response but then if you say oh like i feel like this thing awakening inside me and i feel like i'm on a spiritual journey now you'll get a different type of response so can you talk about kind of your how that arose what you were feeling internally and um how how that journey has been for you yeah uh i i think if you say something's awakened in you it depends on the the audience um i think mm -hmm. some people will really welcome that with open arms um regardless of whether they're religious or not so um mm -hmm. that was that's certainly been something that uh, has surprised me, maybe because I grew up Roman Catholic and, and mm -hmm. part of my um, journey to get to the, the, the spiritual place where I am now um, was a long time in uh, atheism land or agnosticism land mm. where it was really more of a counter reaction to the ways in which that upbringing didn't serve me or... Mm. Um, that I didn't agree with the institution uh, of religion uh, and what they were saying as compared to 
you know, what my intuition was telling me about the way that things were true in the world or the way in which certain people should be received. Um, Mm. and, And I think my approach when I was growing up and in it was very much like, okay, well, I don't really get a choice of being here on Sunday for two hours, so why don't I just become an altar server and at least that way I have like something to do for the period of time um, that I'm stuck here. Uh, And I think in a way that ended up setting me back a lot because I was trying to make it understand the way that I was trying to connect with this concept or this ideology. Um, But then it took a lot of time to, to, separate myself from that to to stand up and say like I don't you know I'm coming back for the weekend or for um a week and I I don't I don't want to go to church I'm not interested in that like even being able to say no to something where I had outwardly so agreed with it um I think really did me (laughs) there's a Roomba behind me so (laughs) I apologize (laughs) this is it's like strange white noise coming into my um my mind um Maybe that's what I find that religion has done to me. I was actually talking about this. With <laughs> no, for real. Like, um, I was talking about this with my friend the other day. She was like, you know, I think church hypnotizes you. And I think that's how they get you is they lull you into um, this hypnotized state. And then you just sit and listen. And your brain is a sponge for an hour and a half. And I thought about it a lot. And I was like, oh, my God, I often felt like that was the case for me where it's like even the the music oh my god I love music church music Mm. was absolute garbage and every time I tried to sing it it would make me yawn and be tired and I just felt myself getting pulled into this like drowsy um kind of like disconnected from my own mind state where yeah it would it would make sense that it's a hard thing to disconnect from individually if Every time you have this experience with something, it, it brings you to this um, different level of, of consciousness, whether, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad. Um, so then it really took me, you know, having to be away from that culture and, and moving to, to California certainly helped um, me to find my own space, but I really wasn't... I wasn't connecting with something deeper and I didn't mm. know what that looked like or how to do it at the time I was with somebody who like didn't um, didn't really feel the need to go into nature uh, or go on hikes mm. or uh, bike rides like snowboarding and surfing weren't things I picked up until uh, a few years ago and I think those things the, the getting out into nature part is really what started me down um, my own personal spiritual path. Mm. Um, I feel like I've read a lot of philosophy where it talks about seeing nature as the divine or Mm -hmm. the source or uh, as God. Um, I still have a problem with that word because it just means Mm -hmm. something. It it means that like guy with a beard in a white robe who's like emaciated on a cross and um, yeah. I think words like the source or spirit, um, mm-hmm. or interconnectedness all feel, um, 
a bit more separate from um, the other kind of terminology in a way that is is yeah. safer to me. But it's ultimately, I think that's the feeling that religion is trying to go for uh, or what it's mm-hmm. built off of is this this sense of like seeing this vast landscape of uh, a mountain area um, mm-hmm. and recognizing the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years that, you know, go into making it look like this. And you happen to be strolling upon it um, at -hmm. this particular point in your life um, and, and being able to share in that moment with the earth uh, in the same way that, you know, when I'm surfing, it's like, I am with the ocean. Um, I, I feel this sense of, yeah, connection, I guess, is the only way of putting it, um, mm-hmm. of, of being in something bigger than myself. Um, yeah. And so then the last two years have just been, like, trying to f- find that more and more. Um, and I mm-hmm. think nature is a very easy place to go to do that or, like, looking up at the stars at night because the vastness of the universe will really just your mind um Mm. in the most beautiful way um but you can't do that all the time um especially if you're in a city and there's light pollution or (coughs) fire pollution um (laughs) (laughs) uh, or any of the grand apocalyptic things that make um being able to connect with uh something bigger than yourself difficult um and so I started looking more at the the things that I enjoyed doing, um, which was mm. music, because I didn't I didn't always, you know, I couldn't put a finger on why I liked music. Um, and it was once I started thinking about this idea of like connectedness um, mm-hmm. from nature that then I was able to bring that into my experience with music and be like, oh, in what ways can I structure this activity such that it's not about trying to create this output that everybody will listen to or trying to make it sound a certain way that's popular. Um, I think I've gotten the most meaning from music because I asked myself like, how, how does this help me connect with myself and with other people um Mm. and the world in a way that nature makes me feel like um and and that's just kind of how i've been uh guided and and i'm letting the experience guide my music making process that's beautiful. Oh, I want to put that in like the quote for the episode. That was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I hope no, that's I, I, concise enough. <laughs> no, well, there's no need for concision, Laura. I'm not going anywhere. I, that's um, <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely love that. I think um, what you were talking about from a young age and about your experience, like with this disconnect between your intuition and how you felt at church and also this sense of intuition and how you feel guided to make music that makes you feel connected the way you feel with nature. I think Mm -hmm. um, ultimately like any true art 
comes from that connected space. And I feel that, you yeah. know, whether you go to a concert, whether you go to see stand-up, whether you go to a gallery to see painting, mm -hmm. the things that resonate with you are the things that come from that, you know, pure connected space. And I think that, um, that you know, now that's probably people are going to connect more with what you do, especially because that's, that's your purpose now. So I think that that is... Um, that that's beautiful um oh, thanks. well thank thank you for sharing that I have to say I had like a similar experience um growing up because I think that you know we we were pretty lucky growing up in the 90s because now 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 everyone knows how old we are Ugh. but um <laughs> but people <laughs> who are I think yeah, I'll just embrace it. People who are growing up now, though, I think with like everything that is happening with our climate, they they um, maybe they aren't able to to be as close to nature. Maybe the nature that exists is becoming less and less. Mm -hmm. But I think, at least in my experience, um, I definitely did feel that connection that you were talking about in nature. And I, I kind of, even though I didn't necessarily know what it was, I, I felt that that was that was there. Um, and I also kind of felt what you were talking about with, um, I had the same notion. I didn't grow up um, necessarily um, Roman Catholic, but I definitely had like certain notions about like organized religion. And like, mm -hmm. I think, I agree. I think like the essence of what it's trying to teach is very beautiful and very pure and it's about connection. But I think kind of at least in the Northeast where I grew up, like the connotation sometimes <laughs> is that like, it seems like those types of people are like the perception is often that, that people who think a certain way are focused on all the rules like that the religion has. And mm -hmm. for that reason, we have the perception that they were closed minded, which um, I think is kind of why it sounds like you needed to take some space from that because I had a similar experience. Like when I took some space, I felt like, oh, I feel like there is something like profound that that this is trying to teach, but I'm just getting up in this notion that I that mm -hmm. it's it's kind of repelling me because I feel like they're saying, <laughs> oh, it's not okay to be a certain way, and I completely feel what you're feeling about like the use of the word God sometimes because that takes me back to like this thing from my childhood, like oh no, For this sure. means it's not okay to be yourself. But I do feel like ultimately, I feel like it is about connection. And I think, you know, we live in a very divided world, so focus on all these rules and all these <laughs> details. But ultimately, I think really, like, people do want to connect. You're, you talked about searching for meaning, and I think that, you know, we're all searching for meaning today, but kind sure. of some people think that, like, you can only, you know, like with being pushed mm -hmm. into a corporate path, like, you can only yeah. search for meaning in a specific way, and maybe it doesn't feel right for you. So uh -huh. I think that it's beautiful that you were able to listen to your intuition, being like, this doesn't feel right, but this feels right. And I think that this is ultimately what that is about, and, and to connect with that, and now to be able to bring that to other people through music and kind of channel your feeling in nature. Um, I think that that's beautiful. And when you said that, it really resonated with me. So thank oh. you for sharing that. Thanks for, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a way in which we weren't able to see when we were growing. It only, it only took me 30 years um, to figure mm -hmm. out that spirituality is different 
from religion in the sense that the messages that we were being told when we were kids lumped together God and this superimposed message that this institution and this this person was uh, spouting. Um, mm. And I think in some religions, probably the disconnect between the two is bigger, um, but they felt so intertwined um, mm. at the time that it was hard to piece apart what I actually felt spiritually and, and what I felt like I was being told spirituality was and how it should mm -hmm. be practiced. Um, and it sounds like maybe that was the case for you as well, or like mm -hmm. you need to step back, you need to disentangle those two ideas so that you can see, okay, I understand the idea behind religion. I don't agree with what this one person is saying or how they're in mm -hmm. interpreting it, but um, you can still appreciate and find value in the meaning of God or mm -hmm. um, the source or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. and, and talking about kind of this sense of something pure and beautiful um, and, and the sense of connectedness, but existing within this time where there are all these things that we need to unlearn, the kind of <laughs> practical world that has all its problems. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, now the pandemic has happened. Um, many of us in the world are living in a time of quarantine. But I think now a lot of us like feel even more kind of moved to try to connect with other people and find something real and meaningful. Um, but it might be harder to get into nature and, and to actually physically see and be with people. So can you talk about kind of, you know, um, like connection in the connection in the time mm. of quarantine? What is your experience with with creation, with um, connection and spirituality um, in this time of social distancing? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I've had a hard time with it. I um, ended up moving out of San Francisco because I was in an apartment by myself and I just knew that that wasn't going to be a good space for me. I mean, it worked mm. when the world was normal and I can go out and see friends and then come back to my safe haven, but it had, and I'm sure many people are feeling this um, currently, it, it can feel so isolating to be um, by yourself for that long. Um, mm. and to like not even have interactions with strangers. Like I didn't think that that was a thing mm. that I would ever, um, miss necessarily. And now I'm realizing the ways in which that is like a pure moment of connection that can feel the mm. same as being out in nature of like some random, you know, one minute conversation you strike up with, um, someone that you don't know um, that provides mm -hmm. you an opportunity to, to look into their lives. So I think for me, one of the, the biggest things that, that I did for myself was coming to Texas to spend time um, with family and, and friends here and really just knowing that I needed other people uh, and trying to find a way to do that safely um, mm -hmm. and in a way that was still allowable from from a work point of view. Um, and th here, there's obviously more space than in a city, so I am able to mm -hmm. 
get out and hop on a skateboard. I mean, a skateboard on concrete is not the same as being out in the ocean or, or being mm. on a mountain. Um, but there's grass, there's trees, there's um, that feeling of flying that comes with being mm. on a skateboard. Um, and, th- and those things have been the ways that I've, that I've found to, to keep myself sane. Um, and through skateboarding, learning a new skill, which, which is another mm. way. So I think there's, there's multiple different layers that I've tried to keep myself connected through. There's the, the literal, just like being outside and getting fresh air, um, which mm. I know is not always available for everybody. But um, I think if, you know, there are ways that hopefully you can do it in a, in a smart way, even if it's just, uh, you know, a walk around the block. Um, then there are the ways that I kind of connect more with other people. Um, so either <laughs> like putting myself in, in spaces where there um, are one or two other safe folks um, mm. or really being more intentional about calling friends and not having it just be like a, what'd you get up to the last week? But like, let's talk about deep shit. Like, like you and I are mm. talking about in a way that is soul affirming and, and really, mm. um, uh, w- you know, we can connect over meaningful things, um, that we're feeling and, and that is food for <laughs> my heart. Uh, and then finding ways like learning something new to, to connect with myself and, and my own sense of growth. Um, and all of those things hopefully can keep me grounded enough to to make it through however long this lasts until I have more of those other opportunities that were previously available to us back again. And maybe they don't come back in the same way, but um, if you're able to, f- to find moments of peace and connection during a pandemic, then I, I think it bodes well for, you know, regardless Mm. of what the future of the world looks like post 2020 pandemic, um, you're setting yourself up for, uh, resilience, uh, and Mm. success in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at you. You, you talked about having resistance to change, but you're, you're already becoming going from resistance (laughs) to resilience or you're already there. That's beautiful. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm doing it. I I definitely don't feel (laughs) in the moment. Like I, I have it under control. I think I I feel the opposite way. It's like, I'm living out of two suitcases and I've got Mm. a car with three skateboards in it and I don't have a permanent address right now. Yeah. But you know, no one's going to have all of their aspects of their life together at once. So it's been as much about like finding the ways to feel good and thrive in it as it is being kind to myself about the fact Mm. that, um, there are certain pieces that are still being worked on or Mm -hmm. there's going to be more change. And that's just, you build that into the expectation set and then it starts to Mm be more um, comfortable to sit with that uncertainty, but uncertainty Mm -hmm. definitely is not a thing that I enjoy like patience. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily practice. Definitely. No, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, I think, is something um, necessary because, you know, 
we can't control what happens to us. So the sooner we, mm-hmm. the sooner we start, I think acceptance is another key word. The sooner we get to a place of acceptance, the the better we're going to be able, it's kind of like when you get stuck in quicksand, you know, it's fighting it is not going to help. It's only going to make it worse. So the sooner you can get to a point of like, well, we're here. (laughs) (laughs) When have you been stuck in quicksand? You know, metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) From all the, from all those movies where people get stuck in quicksand, Laura. (laughs) Don't they have like a person to throw a rope in and then magically you can feel the rope and pull yourself out? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But I also, I I really liked what you were talking about. Um, You were talking about, you know, appreciating random moments of connection with strangers outside your house. Maybe you just go to kind of the grocery store and you talk to the clerk there. Um, I thought like that. And also when you're talking about your, your experience making music and maybe you have a small show, but then one person comes up to you and they Mm -hmm. said that the music resonated with you. I think a lot of the times, like, we have this notion that, you know, um, I'm not, like, really living my life. Things aren't really meaningful until, like, you have a stadium filled with, like, millions of people or until, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you have, like, a big family with lots of people or – but I think that, you know, learning to appreciate these, like, smaller moments and seeing – the beauty and the connection to each of them, whether it's one person coming up to you after a show, whether it's having a conversation with some someone. Um, I think that sometimes we don't think that those um, aren't meaningful and they aren't mm. affirming because, you know, we're looking for like a big sign, like, I don't know, a breakup or like a travel or something. Yeah. And unless we, we see that, then we, we don't see that things are happening. Um, but I think it's beautiful that you mentioned those and um, and that you talked about about those small moments. And it sounds like, you know, with quarantine, you're starting to appreciate them more and notice them more and starting to feel, you know, nourished by them more. Has that been your experience? Yeah, I think mostly because we don't have an opportunity to have those big experiences. So it's like mm. if you don't find them in the small moments, you're going to have a bad time. Um, <laughs> right. But I think it's also maybe it started a little bit sooner than that for me of of trying mm. to to hold on to moments like that. Um, just because when I was getting to that point where I was, you know, seeing different ways of living and and preparing myself for impending change, it also started um, making. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say? My, take take uh, your time. Yeah. No, I got to keep just talking until something <laughs> wise comes out. Um, I <laughs> um, What am I trying to say? Now I put you on the spot. I'm <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just thinking about talking. Um, shit, what were we talking about? <laughs> you know, I, no, you were talking about oh, like little beautiful. moments. Yeah. Little moments. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I feel like it's been this growing feeling for me that capitalism or like the system that we're in teaches us that success looks a particular way. It comes Mm. with particular numbers. Um, Mm. And I was just getting really fed up with that idea that like, why does it mean like why does it have to be that a successful musician is one that fills up giant stadium um Mm -hmm. 
why can't it be a different way of defining success? Um, and I think that is that that original definition of success is kind of thrust upon us by Mm -hmm. society. And I, I really personally wanted to start getting away from that as soon as I realized that that wasn't serving me, that wasn't making me feel good about my art. It's like, what's, what's the likelihood that all of the people that love playing music are going to make it to a a completely sold out show Mm. in a massive stadium? Like very few people. So either we all have to accept that we're not going to be quote unquote successful, or we choose to define our success in a way that is is healthier for us mm. um, and that resonates with each of our own individual values you know yeah so you know my definition of success based on what my dream is is about connecting maybe uh, somebody else it's it's about you know um, originality and so their mm. idea of successful music is pushing the envelope on uh, experimental sounds um Mm. or or you know just trying different time signatures or i think there's a lot of ways that we take these ideas about doing stuff like playing music or Mm. um being a ux designer or being a dancer um and we extrapolate them out into in order you know to be successful at this thing or to be able to call ourselves this thing, it needs to meet this certain criteria. And I just, I, I disagree with that idea. And, and I don't think it is healthy for us. I don't think it uh, allows us to have a genuine relationship with that thing when you're putting yeah. so much pressure on it that is maybe not even, um, pressure that comes from you you know like no. you, you should put whatever feels right to y- you on onto that thing um and i think i've spent a lot of my life trying to optimize to somebody else's idea of success for things and it hasn't really brought me the kind of happiness that i feel like we're promised with that um mm-hmm. no surprise yeah. um so either you know, you got to change the way you think about it and the way that you engage with this thing or you just keep pushing to the next thing and the next win and the next promotion mm-hmm. and maybe you'll be happy then. It's like, I, that didn't didn't do it for me. Maybe it does it for other no. people, in which case, like, more power to you for being, um, you know, motivated by those measures of su- success. I think they do serve some people. Um, I just think that they serve less people than maybe everybody wants to talk about or admit. Mm. No, I, I definitely have the same experience as you. Um, I definitely feel, you, you know, maybe I would accomplish something and, you know, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. And I would feel like a moment of gratification, but it would be very fleeting. And then after that, I'd be like, okay, what's the next thing? It really didn't satisfy me, like thinking about trying to achieve in that way. And I think that, you know, what you're talking about, more following your intuition, you know, connecting with yourself, feeling what feels natural and creating from a space of, you know, connection, um, spirituality, thinking of, you know, what, what resonates with you and, and, um, in a way that, that feels, you know, healthy. I think that's ultimately something that is far more fulfilling. So 
Um, uh, that that's been my experience too. I I, I completely agree with you. Um, with the like last comedy th- or with dance or, or how does it land? With kind dance? of with kind of with everything. For me, my experience with with comedy, I think it's the most similar to your experience with music because. Um, there's an element where you you write so you have this kind of like intimate personal experience where kind of the the ideas flow out of you and then Mm -hmm. you have this moment where you're in front of people and you're connecting with people in a different way and then um the difference is you don't you don't well it's, it's similar with music people can cheer and people can sing the lyrics with comedy like you get the feedback in the moment of like if people are laughing or not Mm -hmm. um so um you you get that experience yeah well i think i think they're ultimately a very similar experience really i think um i don't know if you've had this experience too but i feel like um i've honestly become more confident like in creating things um (laughs) more than like in other areas of life first because i think it's just something that maybe comes natural to me so when i would write something for comedy if people didn't laugh i was like you know like different people just connect with things differently i still feel good about it um and but i think there is something like about you know putting yourself up there on the stage you don't know what's going to happen you don't know how people are going to react that helps you you know get comfortable with like not knowing the outcome like what what you were talking about like being Mm -hmm. comfortable with the uncomfortable being comfortable with the unexpected i think that you know performing arts kind of help you adapt to that i I don't know if that's been your experience as well yeah i I, yeah that that definitely rings true for me i think um when i think about you and stand-up comedy it's uh far more i i would feel like it would be far more pressure um to you know have that successful moment of connecting with somebody um because the connection comes when they laugh um and Mm. so it's that much more noticeable when you aren't when your jokes aren't landing when you aren't connecting with people in the way that you want um with music it's a little bit easier like maybe someone is like they don't have to be dancing to your music necessarily for them to be mm. connecting. You d- you don't have as much of That's a true. clear um, mm. feedback. Um, so yeah. it's it's almost safer, I would imagine, being on stage in a way playing music versus playing uh, mm. versus doing stand up comedy, where it's like I don't know if it's landing or not, so I can delude myself into thinking that <laughs> that, it, that it is. Yeah. Um, uh. Whereas if nobody laughs at your jokes, it's like wow, this uh, either you're not connecting or um you're not connecting with this particular crowd um Mm. you know there there could be so many failure points i guess that um that would be so intimidating to me yeah i have to say with with stand-up and maybe you've had this this experience with music there are times when um most of the time I, I i performed i really like felt moved to perform and i was really excited about it but there's this one time someone invited me to perform and i really my heart was not in it but i did it because you know mm. i was like well i'd like to practice this and also like i you know like i told you about the the fluctuating argentine economy i was like you know like <laughs> times are tough like let me let me just do this so i did it from like not a real genuine place i did it almost from like a place of like fear mm. or desperation um and generally my experience when I'm on the stage is I can just connect, like I, I know people, I feel like I can just connect with people and then regardless of exactly what I say, like people will 
enjoy it because we're connecting. But in that moment, I didn't really want to be there. So then it made it harder mm. for me to connect with people. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had a moment. I think this is one of the hard things about like being an artist who goes on stage. Like you, like your emotions, like in your personal life, are all over the place. Who knows? And then you still have to go and perform. It's not like in a corporate job you can show up and like maybe you can like have been having a bad day, but it's easier to like just throw yourself into like a spreadsheet or something. But here you're like exposed in front of people, like bearing your soul, and like I don't know, you have to put up a certain type of front. Have you ever had an experience where um, where you were you had to perform and you didn't your heart wasn't in it because you just weren't ready emotionally or, or you you just didn't didn't feel like it at the time? Hmm. I mean, I've definitely had experiences where I've gotten in my own head about the performance, I think, like for mm. the the first half of my life pretty much um stage fright was a thing or that mm. you know you can't really f focus on having an authentic deep performance because you're so worried about the performance itself or um mm -hmm. if you're gonna mess up and how that'll land with people and so the the output of of what you perform is actually worse just because you're not thinking about the peace and the emotion you're trying to evoke. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like I've gotten better at that the more that I've played shows um, where it's like, you know, once I get up on stage, I'm not thinking as much about the shit that's going on in my life or mm -hmm. like maybe it'll be, a, you know, a passing thought um, in the middle of a song, but it, I've found it easier to get into these almost like m flow states um, mm -hmm. while being on stage where I'm just yeah. comple completely taken over by the performance and um, mm -hmm. the mood that I um, am evoking with, with a particular mm -hmm. song. And that feels so, so, so good. And I'm sure other people get into flow states with, writing or crocheting or mm. running um it's like a yeah it's a it's a possible thing across many different experiences so yeah i think it was is hard at first for me to to get out of my head or to leave some of those insecurities off stage but the more that i did it the more that i found it easier to inhabit that moment and to and to take mm. up that space um in a way that i think made the performances more authentic and allowed for mm. people to connect more because i was there i wasn't in my yeah. own head like you were you know saying that yeah. you, had, you had a difficult time with that that one performance i mean it definitely that feeling resonates and that's like the the mm. the scare that's the thing that i fear um you know next time i get back up on stage uh will happen but hopefully not yeah well i think that that's what you said about you know about presence and about flow um and connection with you know with yourself with your art and with your audience mm -hmm. i think that's all like um i think ultimately when someone 
feels that you're in that state of flow, then they're there with mm-hmm. you if, if they allow themselves to be. But I think that it just invites them into that space. So I think that's, that's so beautiful, Laura. So thank, thank you for bringing that into the world. And I have, I have one, one more um, question. You were talking a little bit about kind of uh, before when you moved from San Francisco to Texas to be closer to family. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about, and this is definitely something that I've felt in uh, my life, about how it being kind of hard to maybe accept help or having being hard to like lean on people or maybe hard to be to be vulnerable and and to say that no I can't do everything I'm not like a hundred percent independent I don't Um, know what you're talking about speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know crazy crazy talk Mm. um could you talk a little bit because a lot of your music now is um and and Jane in particular you're talking about kind of you know that the sound being like what we're talking about with synergy earlier kind of like mm-hmm. a synergy of of your um of your sound and um your your friend's sound can you talk a little bit more about both kind of in life and in art the idea of you know um collaboration but also like allowing yourself to be vulnerable to ask for help allowing yourself to I don't know, like maybe, like you were talking about earlier, how your friend said, you know, actually, maybe I don't want to be in this song. So like being open to the unexpected in those relationships. Can you talk a little bit about kind of more like the relational aspect of creation and also, you know, allowing yourself to ask for help in, in music and in life? Yeah, that's a really good question slash prompt. Um, like I said earlier, I feel like the times when um, I had the best collaboration with friends is where I was really able to get out of myself or separate mm-hmm. myself from the song that we were working on. Um, and I think I had an easier time doing that before with music than uh, with life. And it's definitely still <laughs> something that I... Um, yeah. I'm working on, you know, it's, it's, you, we assume that we're living this life that we live, uh, and therefore that it is reflective of who we are or something deeper or more inherent about ourselves. Mm. But the, the truth is that like our self is just an illusion that changes every day. And, um, you know, we create this mythology or this narrative to make sense of it but ultimately that's not who we are or who we have to be Mm. um and it's not something I ever thought about until right now but I feel like the way that I actually was able to accept help from friends um and loved Mm. ones in a in a meaningful way in my own life was the same approach as I had taken to the song um you know it's being able to hold this higher I don't know like aura kind of Mm. um self in mind and separate that um identity and that uh, spirit from Mm. the things that are happening in my life or have happened to me or that I'm struggling with like those pieces are the song and Mm. if I could just get help from friends and loved ones on the song that doesn't that's not a reflection of who I am it's making no. my 
life and the output better because it's being enriched by these people instead of being inconvenienced by them you know mm -hmm. I, I it it's it does require a level of trust in the in the people that you share it with um you know even in your life not just in the song aspect i'm sure someone could metaphorically say to you like i don't think i should be in this part um mm. and you need to be able to hear and accept those things um just as much as I think that I can best support you on this piece of the melody by doing this thing with my mm -hmm. voice. Um, where if you take that back into the life example, it's like there's there's so many ways that you can be changed for the better and in unexpected ways um, through your community and the people that you engage with. And it, just kind of requires that separation um and that compassion for mm. yourself and your metaphorical song yeah i think that's so important i i definitely had the same experience of feeling like um i used to be very sensitive to criticism because I thought mm -hmm. that someone, for example, like maybe I wrote a proposal for something and someone had a, had some feedback about the proposal. And in that moment, I thought that they weren't just trying to improve the proposal, but I thought they were like, you know, criticizing my like very soul because I was yeah. identified with my work, which in that moment was the proposal. And as I've gone through life, I'm realizing, okay, just because like I didn't do a perfect job in the proposal does not mean I am like a like I don't know horrendous human being <laughs> it's not a reflection on like my essence like we yeah. all have things that we can learn and just because you didn't do something perfectly doesn't mean I mean we are imperfect people like that's something that I think is hard to accept sometimes but we're not perfect um, la, 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 I know la, la. I know I'm sorry Tell me these things this is I know. far too I, prevalent I'm... enough in my own head no I think like, <laughs> you're right but like we're taught that we should be perfect or at least I yeah. feel like that was such a theme in my life early on is like I need to be the best at this thing um mm -hmm. and I am not I don't have value if I'm not succeeding exactly yeah yeah that's bullshit yeah you hit the you hit the nail on the head Laura exactly <laughs> Well, we have gone on a roller coaster of emotions. We talked about connection. We talked about being open to change. We talked about family creation. Um, so before before we say goodbye, I wanted to just open things up and see if you had any last thoughts, feelings, um, anything that you wanted to share, anything that you wisdom you wanted to impart. Um, the floor the floor is yours. Oh boy. Um, Black Lives Matter. Do Definitely. what you can do to be a good ally to people that are less fortunate than you. Um, but also keep in mind your own needs um, mm. that, that keep you going. If your lane right now is protesting, that's great. If it's donating, that's great. If it's educating yourself, that's great. Just find that way to make a difference if you're not happy with the way that things are mm. going in the world. And I think 
self-empowerment is going to lead to um, feeling better about uh, a lot of different things. You just got to be honest, honest with yourself. Yeah, that, well, that was one of the big themes from today, being knowing yourself, being honest with yourself. And I think um, mm-hmm. that will just make ev- that'll just have a beautiful snowball effect. And so thank, thank you, Laura, for sharing that, for sharing all of your experiences, for being, you know, open and honest. I think that, you know, it's just as important. This, this podcast is about awakening dreams, but a big part of that is knowing yourself, understanding mm-hmm. yourself, understanding the world around you, seeing kind of the realities of the world and not being afraid of them. Um, so thank you for, for really, you know, being present, being vulnerable, really sharing everything. Um, that really means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means mm-hmm. a lot to everyone listening. So, so thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for inviting me and for this wonderful conversation. It was so good to, to talk with you again and talk about stuff that I care about deeply. So thanks for listening. Oh, I had, a, I had a wonderful time. So thank you for being here. Uh, well, hopefully our paths will cross again soon. Um, I'll, see, I'll see you on the other side. Exactly. Maybe I'll come to Buenos Aires when all of it is over. I yeah, would actually I would love, love that. that. Yay, good. Okay. You, you have a place to stay. You are more than welcome. Phew. Excellent. Well, I'll see you on the other side, Laura. Take care. Thanks, Misha. Bye. We just spoke with Laura Paragano. I wanted to take a moment to reflect on some of the things she said because I think a lot of them are very beautiful and meaningful, um, and I wanted to take a moment to, to take them in, really. One of, the, one of the things that really resonated with me is she talked about being um, having been in a moment of her life of a lot of stagnation, and she said that she was running on inertia. And in that moment, um, and maybe a little bit before, um, she started to feel that things were really stagnating, and she started to to question uh, her life. Um, why was she doing the things that she was doing? What did she really want? Um, how did she get to where she was? And, and she started to think about how she wanted to live more intentionally. She talked about growing up in the U.S. and um, with um, the culture there and also just with her family situation, not being used to change. So for her, because of that, perhaps it took longer to realize that she was actually stagnating because um, this sense of constancy was perhaps normal to her. I definitely related to this because a lot of my life, um, I had a lot of similar patterns and I I had a similar revelation about, um, about stagnation. I think a lot of the times um, it takes a really big moment to come in and disrupt this inertia. For many of us now, uh, we're, we're all in the middle of this pandemic. Many of us are quarantined or coming back into a quarantine. And um, it is one of those moments that, that starts to shake up this inertia and stagnation gets us to, to question things and look internally. Um, and Laura um, came to this realization um, in her own ways, um, uh, at, at another point. And I think that really reflects in, um, in the music that she makes. Another thing is she talked a lot about the creative process and how she felt that, you know, the music that she made when it was really meaningful, it came from a deeper place and it really flowed out of her in an effortless way. 
She talks about how maybe before she felt like she really needed to kind of put effort into it and to think about um, maybe more kind of technical things with how to hone her technique. Um, And now she talks about kind of um, just how flow is really uh, what what, um, kind of drives her creative process. And she talked a lot about, um, about kind of finding um, creativity in, in kind of ordinary moments. She talked about kind of seeing things in, in the world in um, San Francisco where she was living um, that caused her to kind of see, um, see kind of puns and life as kind of an active and continuous writing prompt. And I found this was, I think this is just beautiful because really the world we live in is just a font of inspiration if we're able to see it that way. Um, so she was able to, she used the word build the creative muscles. She talked about then um, just continuously in her life seeing um, seeing beautiful sources of creativity um, as, as she goes about her, her day to day. And she also talked about kind of collaboration in the music making process and about how um, she works actively to take out the ego and the expectation. Um, And this is, and she tries very actively to be open and present. And this is really important in moments of collaboration and it allows for new types of synergy and discovery. She talked about how when she was collaborating on Jane and some other songs, um, how she was doing these not not um, not in in solitary confinement, but she was working with other people, and how this um, how really having that interaction between people allowed for kind of new things that she wouldn't have been able to to conceive of on her own, and that also wouldn't have been able to really come into being if she had too much expectation or if she had too much of a previous idea of what she wanted the music to be and she didn't allow for things to unravel. So I love kind of the idea of, um, of openness and presence in her creative process. And I think that really relates to kind of one of the the last big themes that I wanted to talk about, which was kind of making music from a place of connection and how her sense of fulfillment is now driven by that sense of connection and how that relates to um, to um, this new spirituality that she's coming into touch with. She talked a lot about how she feels really at peace and connected to something greater when she's in nature and now she tries to bring that feeling of peace of oneness of connection to her music we talked about kind of the creative process and that feeling of flow and she talked about how kind of that feeling of flow is a similar kind of feeling that she had when she's in nature Another thing is she talked about kind of the reason that she does music and how now she wants her music to um, enable her to connect with others and enable it to connect with herself and also enable others to connect with themselves and the world to be more connected in general. She talks about how maybe earlier in her life she really wanted to be more, quote, successful and maybe kind of sell out um, music venues and not that that wouldn't be lovely, Uh, but she said that now she finds more fulfillment and satisfaction from when she is live and she is performing, being able to see that that her music is really resonating with someone, it's really reaching someone, that in those moments where she's vulnerable, that... um, 
people are really kind of feeling what she's feeling um, and that she's really transmitting something in those moments and that, um, that she's creating connection. And it comes from someplace deeper in her and it's reaching someplace deeper in, in everyone there. So I found a lot of really beautiful things um, in, in my conversation with Laura. I had a wonderful time. And kind of speaking of her music and connection, I, on a more personal note, have to say that I do feel a sense of connection when I listen to her music. I really loved listening to Bad Moon Rising recently. I love Jane, which we talked about in the episode. And I, I like her music in general. I have to say it's... Um, it's very beautiful in kind of an otherworldly way. And when I listen to it, I feel that I'm really transported to kind of a calm and ethereal place, which I have to say in the midst of the chaos of the world today um, is, is a very welcome. So welcome of the welcome journey. So if you're interested in searching for, for and listening to Laura's music, you can find it by searching Laura Paragano on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, that's Laura, L-A-U-R-A, and Paragano, P-A-R-A-G-A-N-O. You don't have to worry about spelling. I'll put it all in the episode description. Um, so her music on Spotify and Apple Music. Her Instagram is at Laura Paragano, and her website is www.lauraparagano.com, and her email is lauraparagano at gmail.com all very straightforward so easy easy to find and again she's open to to any types of collaboration whether music business or otherwise so i had a wonderful time speaking with laura today i hope you enjoyed listening to it and i will see you again in two weeks take care